what really gets my dick hard is Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast, Episode Seven. I'm Ethan Luck, and I'm Clint Wells. And uh, this is a little different for us. We're recording remotely. Yeah, it's the first time. The great experiment. Yeah, totally. Uh, and we're skipping ahead chronologically. We're not even going through the ne- next couple records from Metallica. It's going sc- straight to current <laughs> event news. Yeah, it's a scary episode all around. You're in Detroit, yeah. right? I'm in Detroit. Where are you? I'm in Miami. Ah, uh, going to the club tonight. You know me. <laughs> you're such a clubber, as man. As soon as I get off stage, I just find the nearest <laughs> dance club. <laughs> Agreed. I um, know. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we are jumping way ahead uh, as we've talked, you know, that we're going to do. And we're going to Hardwired to self-destruct, which I'm excited about because Me it's too. such a good record, I think. It's, I agree. Uh, um, but it's it's a tough one to talk about because like we were talking about before we started recording, it's so new to us. We haven't actually had the time... Right. Like we've had with Injustice for All or Puppets and all right. that stuff, you know. I've been listening to Injustice for All since I was, you know, since it came out, essentially. Right. Because that's the record I got into him on. You know, Hardwired has only been out a couple months, so it's it's weird to dissect this record. But, it is uh, weird, but we're going to give it a shot. Yeah. yeah I, I totally. will say I've listened to it enough for Dream No More to have made my top 10 Metallica songs. That's amazing. Which I still that's a stand good song. by. Yeah, I back it. All right, so let's get into some facts. You want to do some facts? Yeah, go for it. Start us uh, off. So it was released on November 18th of last year. Uh, it's the first recording on Black End Recordings, which is pretty cool. That's their own label, right? Right, totally. So Yeah, I, th- I think other ones were done uh, as like a you know, co-label thing. Right. Um, but so yeah, what this that, is so their own So what does it mean deal. for them to have... Does this mean they have complete control over how they distribute it and release it? Like, what does it mean for them to... Yeah, totally. I mean, it, I mean, it's essentially making them an independent band. Yeah. You Which know is, I mean? Isn't that, that crazy? That's, yeah, that's amazing. Metallica I mean, still, is an indie band now. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're so indie. <laughs> just wait. I mean, well, I guess freaking hipsters are already wearing Metallica shirts and Justin Bieber's wearing Metallica shirts, but they're an independent band. Right. Technically speaking. <clears throat> Which is cool. They can do what they want. You know, they... they you're welcome, Lars. You own all your music. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they can do what they want. You know, they're still probably putting a lot of money into like, you know, publicists and uh, promotion, all that stuff. But I think <clears throat> the return on that stuff, they're making a lot more and putting a lot more in their pockets because they own everything. Yeah, it's pretty cool. No, totally cool. I hope that um, I hope they make another record before eight years. Uh, yeah, because that would be a bummer. I mean, what's James? 52? Yeah, I don't know. They're up He'd be there. Si- I think he's 52 or 53 years old, so. And let's uh, l- I mean, let's go ahead and say this, too. I mean, he sounds almost as good as ever. It's like return to form black album I agree. vocals. I mean, I, th- I personally think that his vocals mm-hmm. sound the best they've sounded since Load Reload era. Yeah, I do, too. If you, if you, if you exclude the S&M record, as far as studio albums go, I mean, obviously, St. Anger is saying anger uh death magnetic had its moments with james vocally i think 
uh, I think that's when his voice really started to change and he was trying new things and he was probably also trying to save his voice. Yeah. But I do appreciate the fact that on this record, I feel like I could be totally wrong because I don't know James, but I feel like he really like gave it 110% on the record. And then when you watch live footage of these new songs, he definitely holds back. Dude, you know James. You met him in an airport one time. You shook that's his hand, true. You we, shook that's his hand true. twice. Yeah, that's true. We are jet setters <laughs> together. Uh, I mean, speaking of his voice and stuff, I mean, a lot of that has to do with the producer Greg Fiddleman, who mm-hmm. he was also, I think, engineered and did a little bit of mixing on Death Magnetic. But I think it was an engineer on Death Magnetic, yeah. I mean, I mean it's essentially that, that guy and self-produced. I mean, uh, let's just go ahead and say hats off to Greg, man, because this record sounds fucking awesome. It sounds great. And I've said this to you and a lot of friends that are Metallica fans. This, to me, overall, is, the is, I think, the Metallica record that we've been hoping for. Yeah, I think so, too. Death Magnetic was a really good record. I back that record. Maybe not every song, but the majority of it I back. Well, here, uh, yeah, I agree. Here's what Death Magnetic did for me, is it just reminded me that Metallica is a great band. Totally. Because after St. Anger, it was like the fucking Dark Ages. To yeah, be you're a like, fan. oh, great. Like, That's what, it. Yeah, is this what we have to look forward to for the remainder of this band's career? Right. Death Magnetic was Return to Form. It was Thrash. Yeah. This totally. is more like... I think you've uh, mentioned it this way before. It's sort of like a best of their entire career. I think so. I think stylistically. I agree. I think there's thrash stuff. There's ballad stuff. There's that mid-tempo black album stuff. There's stuff that could be on load, reload. But I think, I mean, the songwriting is even better, I think. I do than... I do think it is missing the, the ballad, though. Like, the the big ballad. The Day That Never Ends, the Fade to Black, the Day That Never Comes, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. There's not really, like... And there's not that formula of the ballad, like, you know, having that crescendo at the end of the song with a, you know, right. where it goes faster or a big solo or something. But, but we'll get into that on the uh, track by track. So yeah, totally. <clears throat> we already kind of mentioned the duration. Eight years, the longest uh, gap in between records of their whole career. I know. It's fucking crazy. Eight years. Eight years, man. Put a gun to my head if I wait eight years to release <laughs> something, something else after my last thing. That's just a lot of time touring, and I guess it's a lot of time being rich people. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in one of the podcasts that I want to say it was the one that Lars was on. Um, I, yeah, I think it was the Joe Rogan one. No, no, it was it was Hetfield. He was you know he was talking about how it's been so long, and you know not only did they do a lot of touring in there, but it's like. I mean, they're dads. They're all family guys right, now. Right, and I dig it. I di- they're like pretty into their family, which I really like. Totally. Yeah, and it's, I'm sure especially James has a pretty strict, you know, regimen, you know, being 15 <clears throat> years sober now and like, you know, devoted time daily to his family and yeah. stuff like that, which I t- is awesome. It's great. I and, think and, it uh, should. Yeah, and, and when, we tar- when we talk briefly about the World Wired Tour, we'll get into the fact that they're only going to do 50 shows a year. That's kind of the cap. That's crazy. They're not out for more than two weeks at a time. It's kind of a two weeks on, two weeks off thing. Which, but we'll get into the tour. So, more, yeah, yeah. more facts about the record. Uh, this is the first record with no co-writes from Kirk, and I think it shows. I think it. Well, I have a lot to say about that. I agree. Yeah, me too. A Reddit user who I believe's name was Outlaw Torn. Um, I posted an article about James has come out and said that quote unquote life problems kept Kirk from contributing. Kirk has been saying that he lost ah. he lost his cell phone in Copenhagen at the Copenhagen airport, which had all of his riffs, over 250 riffs. Uh, okay. Which James is sort of starting to insinuate is a cover for the real fact. And this Reddit user told me that he knows someone close to the band that Kirk's going through some shit with like opiate abuse, alcohol abuse. Really? Rehab stuff. 
that's kind of surprising with with how how much they went through with Petfield. Right. I mean, sure, it can it can, it can creep up on anybody, or it can you know right you know reemerge. But that's that's a little surprising at their age that you know if it's a new thing or if it's an ongoing thing. Because I well, think Lars is even sober now too. And it's definitely a rumor. Like it's not been verified. I hope it's not true. Right. But just kind of connecting the dots, like Kirk is selling his San Francisco house. Uh, like it oh, kind of really? seems like he's getting a divorce. Like he's, it seems like Kirk's going through some shit. And even James yeah. said it was it's life issues, you know. Yeah, and I mean, uh, they, and they even they, asked James, they're like, "What do you think about the missing phone thing?" And James actually kind of says, "Like, well, I know Kirk's whole missing phone theory." He's like, I, I take him at his word, but I think he has some other stuff going on. Like maybe James doesn't fully believe him. Yeah. Like Kirk hasn't shared everything with the band. According like, to this Reddit user, and I wish I had printed out what he said because it was actually pretty yeah. interesting. He said that uh, according to insiders for the band, James is at a, a breaking point with Kirk. Really? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that scary? Bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> hey, Mustaine, what are you doing in 2017? <laughs> oh, man. Could you imagine that? Can you imagine Mustaine getting asked by Hetfield? Here's what hey, I so do. You mind learning all of Kirk's solos ever since you? No, left? no, Ethan. <laughs> Ethan, I guarantee you, if they called Dave Mustaine today and said do you want to be in Metallica, he would do it. You think I, so? I, I guarantee you. He's God. still hung up on that. Yeah, that's true. I think he's dealt with the, the the you know the the wound. You know, I think he's stitched it up. But you think he? Would, but, I think he would take the gig. I, I, I would hope so. I would if I was him. He's yeah. like, I'll do it, but uh, I got to replay every solo or rewrite every solo on Hardwired. How about this, man? Did you notice that uh, Dystopia got nominated for a Grammy for a me- yeah. Best Metal Record and Hardwired did not? That's crazy. Did I think, well, what, I think Hardwired got nominated for Best Rock Song? Okay, so they did. They did make the cutoff of yeah, Grammy they, nominations. They got nominated, but not in the metal category. And I think Hardwired. It. I mean, and I know you're not as you know as much of a Megadeth fan as I am, but Dystopia is a great record. Make sure I'm getting the red yeah. recordy, recordy. Okay. All right. Sorry about that, folks. My uh, my computer had a snafu. We're back, <laughs> and I'm seeing a waveform now. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You, uh, for those of you listening, you probably won't hear much of a much of a problem because I'll I'll cut it out, but. You'll hear Clint go, oh, crap. <laughs> well, <laughs> or whatever you So said. here's the deal with Kirk. Uh, hopefully the rumors aren't true, whatever. But his contributions are noticeable. His lack of contribution. The, the yeah. solos to me feel very phoned in. There's nothing super special about any of the solos. I think there's like one that I'm like, oh, that's cool. Well, I think the hardwired solo is cool. It's, it's, it's Kirk's safe zone, but... Well, and and we'll get into that in the song by song. <clears throat> I feel like a lot of yeah. them start off cool and then sort of meander. There's, way, in my opinion, way too much wah pedal, way too much sort of pentatonic, noodly wah shit. He's yeah, he st- he sticks. And if you're a musician, you know what we're talking about right now. But he kind of sticks to the blue scale and does the Kirk thing. Right. You know, um, I wish I had my guitar in my hotel room. I could I could give you an example. But no, no, you got to you got to do all your examples safe. on a bass now. That's true. I need to take a bass on the road. I do have a bass in the bus, but the bus is not here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, I, I was, that to me was the most disappointing thing was looking forward to Kirk's solos. Like, oh man, this record sounds great. Cause I thought the hardwired solo on that song yeah. opening track was great. So when they released that song, I'm like, oh fuck, this is awesome. But 
then you know as the record went on i was kind of like god come on kirk well like, you just did you just show up and he, like okay i'll just play these he did notes. i mean if you, you i'm sure you have you've watched all the making of videos for this record right He's barely there. It's it's just the three and, of them. And I, by the way, speaking of Greg Fiddleman, there's an amazing um, interview with him. I can't remember what it's called, but if you just look up Greg, Greg Fiddleman on the making of Hardwired, it's an hour long yeah. episode of Greg talking about like the engineering and the making of the record. Have you heard this yet? Really, I didn't even see. Dude, this. you would love it. But in it, in God, it, he says like when they ask him about Kirk, his contribution to the record, apparently Kirk came in later and mm-hmm. would just sort of improvise over and over. Then Kirk would leave, this is according to Greg, Kirk would leave okay. and Lars and Greg would piece together from the takes, the solos they liked, and then Kirk would come in and like connect the dots. So he wasn't even really? part of the comping process. Gosh. And all I gotta say about that is that it fucking shows. I, it makes, it it makes does, sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, thankfully it doesn't like ruin the no, record no, no, no. for it's me. Still, it's still kind of Kirk, Kirky, you know? Yeah, if I may it's say, very Kirky. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a new verb we should commonly kirky. use on the podcast. Yeah, it needs to be Kirkier. Yeah, I'm feeling kind of Kirky today, but it definitely feeling feel, feeling a little disconnected, <laughs> feeling like a little opium, a little bit of an opium <laughs> coma. Yeah, I just I feel like you know I'm off balance. There's like a wah attached to my foot. Here's or something. the deal: they don't feel like they have purpose. They don't feel like they're parts. Whereas after the Unforgiven or the Sabbath True or the Wherever I May Roam or Memory Remains or Fuel, I could sing those solos or hum them. Totally. I, I yes. don't think so far there's a memorable solo for me on this record, which I'm bummed, I'm bummed um, to say that. I take no pleasure in reporting that to you. Yeah, totally. I, I think I agree with you. I mean, I think the only ones that are maybe memorable are, you know, like... Like on Halo on Fire, only because like the first solo after the first chorus is just like him just bending a note and it's so boring. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, that's... Yeah, it's, memor- I'm yeah, also it's so- memorable because it sucks. See, that's bad. That's bad news. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that the, the thing that, that doesn't bug me the least is Lars, Lars's drumming. I think Lars's drumming is amazing on this record, honestly. I think there's there's literally like two parts on the whole record that I'm like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And it's when he does his stupid cymbal swell things when there's like a quiet part. He's just... <sighs> I was just saying that, and just hitting yeah, them like crazy. I was listening to one today. And then, and then he does a, no, go ahead. He does a count off on a cymbal. Yeah. That's where I was kind of like, oh, that's so unnecessary. But again, it's I, the I think it's on now that we're complaint. dead, but it's like a really tight groove when the verse starts, but he's hitting an open hat. So it's just kind of washy and like, close that. Yeah. Close that hat. That's really nerdy shit. But however, I think all of us as Metallica fans can agree that from St. Anger and there's even a lot of drumming, uh, drumming stuff on mm-hmm. Death Magnetic that bugs the hell out of me. I think we can all agree that like this is the best Lars since load reload hey be careful with that we can all agree thing because on the metallica forum that's true metallica (laughs) forum this week we had written in our cliff burton episode blurb that we can all agree that without cliff burton there'd be no metallica and a metallica fan told me to go to hell (laughs) (laughs) go to hell man like <laughs> I, I, I love that we're getting to the point in this podcast where we're starting to get we're, we're definitely getting more positive feedback than we are negative, but there is negative stuff that has has come along. Like on, I, on, you know, Clint's been uploading the episodes to YouTube just for people that only listen to stuff on there, and uh, I think one of the episodes it might have been the Kill 'Em All episode. Someone all uh, put uh, 
what KYS fag. And I was like, what's KYS? And I looked it up and it says, kill yourself fag. I was like, cool. We should, cool. we should kill ourselves and we're faggots for making a Metallica podcast. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that first of all, I was homosexual. Maybe I was born that way. I don't know. But, um, and I guess I should kill myself. I mean, I'm on the, I'm on the eighth floor of a hotel right now. I couldn't make it happen. I'm on the 26th floor of a hotel. Whoa. Yeah, it was a, you are balling in Miami. It was a long elevator ride. Well, so the dude who told me to go to hell, so I wrote back and was like, eh, I'm not sure it's that reasonable for me to burn in hell, but what are your thoughts? And we ended up teasing out of him an actually really cool discussion about Cliff. So oh, that's good. for those of you guys who default just to insult us, maybe just hang in there with us and just tell us why you disagree before you fuck with us and tell us to go to hell. Yeah, because that that does get annoying when when someone tells you to kill yourself or yeah. fuck off or whatever, and then but, but then they remain silent. It, I didn't know? dig it. Yeah, I didn't dig it. Metallica fans are better than that shit. Yeah, come on. All right, so check this out, which I think this is amazing. Hardwired debuted at number one. It's the sixth consecutive record to do so from them, and it went number one in fifty-seven countries. Fifty-seven That's countries. Fucking awesome. That's insane. And not only that, but I think I posted about it on our Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and stuff. It, in 2016, they had, I think, in the top-selling metal albums of the year, they had six albums. Right. So cool. Like, like the Black Album sold 260,000 records last year. Unbelievable. And probably, you know, mostly because of Hardwired. I know that Black Album still sells like 2,000 a week, but... Hardwired probably got people excited again, got people rebuying stuff, maybe buying vinyl, getting, you know, young, a, another younger generation into Metallica, um, which, it, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, and, and I don't think you need to be a musician to know that the the people don't buy records anymore. It's a very, it's now a very rare, strange thing to sell that many records, to still be that mm-hmm. um, prolific. Totally. And, so it's, that's cool. It gives me hope, man. And totally. I think metal fans, well, and, and a lot of that's European shit, like Europeans still buy records, and but it just gives me right. hope, you know, that a band can inspire people to actually want to own a physical product of something. Totally. Well, I also think, you know, it also <clears throat> it also shows the, the the strength of the Metallica fan yeah. base, you know, and, the, and the, the numbers. I mean, I'm sure there's, if, you know, downloading wasn't even a thing and iTunes and all that stuff, I, I think they probably would have sold way more if it was like the old way of album sales, right. but... All that to say, the fact that I mean, I think it's up to like six hundred thousand or seven hundred thousand already. What really? I can yeah, I can check. Let me uh, as we're talking, I'll pull up an email. I have a friend uh, named Ryan that uh, about once a week sends uh, sound scan reports just for a. He'll just copy and paste a bunch of different bands that he likes, and Metallica's always in there. Uh, let me look it up. That'd here be crazy if, if Hardwired this. went platinum within like three months. That'd be crazy. Be really cool. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I'm sure it'll go platinum with. I I guarantee it'll go platinum within six. Uh, let me let me look it up here. Well, talk about yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Last time we did this, um, I was making you look up if Outlaw Torn was on S and M, and you, after looking it up, told me that it wasn't. <laughs> I botched it, dude. I totally botched it. Sorry, sorry, everybody. Hey, but no one's called me out on it yet and told me to kill myself on that subject. Yeah, because so. that episode hasn't aired yet. Oh, that's right. It hasn't aired yet. So in, well, no, 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 but I can't even talk about the future now because this will be after, damn it. So, well, let's pretend that that episode's out. Oh, guys, I hope you enjoyed episode uh, six, episode six and our top 10. Sorry, I botched that one thing. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. Metallica currently as of, uh, he sent this on Monday, January 16th, uh, Metallica is at 541,000. Wow. 
Last week, last week they sold ten thousand records. Cool. That's pretty. That's, that's amazing. Cool. That's great. And uh, just so you know, um, Disturbed is at five hundred thirty-seven thousand albums. Disturbed. Well, I I don't Ooh. I don't have too many great things to say about that. <laughs> if you like them, that's cool. Whatever. Uh, here's something I did not. No, that's not cool, Clint. <laughs> That's not cool. Disturbed. I'm just trying to avoid I'm being. Sorry. Su- I'm sorry. I'm gonna. I know you're trying to be open minded, and I just hate that. Band. I'm not trying to be open minded. I don't like that band. I'm just trying to avoid people telling me to goddamn go to hell again. That wasn't <laughs> the most fun thing to goddamn wake up to. You kill yourself, fag. You guys are faggots, man. You you sound yeah, you sound real smart, dude. You sound really reasonable. <laughs> yeah. uh, here's something I did not know about Hardwired. They started the record in 2011 with Rick Rubin. I didn't realize that. And I guess just through the... Why would they do that? But Rick's how they met Greg, because Greg kind of engineers for Rick a lot. God knows, if you've watched the two-hour making of Death Magnetic, there's no Rick Rubin to be seen in that fucking film. No, no. I mean, he's known for doing that on most every record, where he shows up once a week, maybe, and goes, uh, do that, blah, 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 I'm gonna go do some yoga. It's basically them sitting with Greg as the engineer. So I can see why they, like, liked Greg, they got comfortable with Greg. Well, I imagine they made a yeah a really good relationship with yeah. him. I mean, they probably you know they worked on Death Magnetic for a few months and got tight with that guy. And so, I mean, but, here's what I have to say about that: Fuck Rick Rubin. I'll take Greg any day. <laughs> I mean, if Greg, is Greg like the new Bob Rock for Metallica? Maybe I I, I kind of hope Me so. Me too. Maybe I mean if he does the next record and it sounds even three quarters as good as this yeah. one, I'll Me be too. happy. Because he's he's you dialing know, I mean, in that great. James, like he's getting some great vocals out of James, and the guitars totally. are sounding killer too. Yeah, um, I was going to say too earlier that uh, in in regards to the production of the record and the engineering, I was really hoping that, and I assume this is true, that Lars probably recorded to a click track. He said they me. only did a click track. Uh, if you listen to that one Greg Fiddleman interview, I, I need to listen to it. He yeah. says they only used a click track. Um, maybe for spit out the bone, he says they he says really? they okay. largely did not use click tracks, which wow, which he okay. may have That's been they may have had an agreement to, to be have flattering <laughs> talk flatteringly about the recording process, right? But they also clearly used like they sampled yeah. they definitely used samples on the drums, which I'm and fine he talks with. about that he talks about the sampling. Yeah, I wonder, and you he may have mentioned this, or maybe it's the thing they wouldn't want to talk about. I kind of wonder if they use the kick and snare samples from the black album. Because there's a little bit of similarity, I think, in the snare uh, tone and the According to Greg, and I see no reason to not take Greg's word for it, the sampling they used was from when they were in pre-production. Because in pre-production, they're all in that live room. Because they recorded this at HQ, which we should have mentioned that, by the way. They recorded this like at home at their kind of headquarters, which is is fucking amazing. And um, he said that they had some drum sounds that they really liked in pre-production that because it was pre-pro... They couldn't keep a lot of shit. They were just sort of hashing it out where they sampled yeah. the sounds from pre-pro takes that they liked. That's, oh, that's what, cool. Like, on Now That You're Dead specifically, the, Greg mentions yeah. that they, they really loved one of their pre-pro versions of that, so they sampled the sound of it. That's cool. Which that's pretty that's interesting, really cool. right? Yeah, totally. Well, and, you know, so maybe there's fans out there that uh, if you know what, you know, mixing in samples it means and is that are bummed by it, like, oh, why would you use samples, blah, blah, blah. I have a couple friends that thought that was lame, but... Most records do that. Yeah, nowadays. I don't think it's lame. I don't have a problem with it. If there, if you want a little extra something in, you know, in your kick drum tone, 
your kick drum sound, then mix in a sample. Yeah, and guess what? James you know? doubles and triples his voice, and they put delay and reverb on it. So what? Yeah, so fucking what? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I... I, I uh, I can't confirm this, but uh, it to me it sounds like there might be a little bit of overdrive on Hetfield's vocals mm, too. Interesting. Uh, I think to kind of he- maybe help with that Hetfield growl that he has that, that kind of has been lacking on the last couple records. Because mm. his voice sounds like old but mature. Yeah, it Hetfield. sounds amazing. It sounds so good. I think especially like, and we'll talk about it on this song, but like the chorus of Halo on Fire oh, to me so good. goes up to that high note. It, I got chills when I heard and, it. And uh, Dream No More, the Cthulhu Awaken line is. I mean, yeah. vocally, this is a really standout record to me for James. Yeah, I, I definitely think him and Lars shine I, the most. In I this totally record. agree. And, well, I think they gave Robert some yeah, moments. Robert, and we'll get into that. I want to talk about that. Yeah, um, we should probably just go into the track list in here soon. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, let's hit a few more things. I want to talk about the artwork because okay. I think the artwork um, is really cool with all their faces. Some would disagree, I, but when I first saw it, I didn't think it was. Have cool. you seen the Crowbar album cover? No. What's Crow? There's a band called Crowbar. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I'm going to text it to you right now. I'm going to find it. Uh, keep talking about the artwork and then. And, uh, well, I'll, I, I thought it. it so I thought it was just okay at first, but then as I've been going to their website and seeing how they've sort of put it in all their media, there's all these different variations of that. It's like this the collage picture of all their faces, and it's kind of creepy looking with all the weird reds totally. and oranges. I think it's really fucking cool. <clears throat> it is really. But you're cool. saying that well, they ripped um, it from Crowbar. I'm going to send you, I'm going to text you a picture. I wish we were in front of each other so I can show it to you, but I'm going to text you this right now so you can see it. Uh, I, I don't dislike the cover. I thought, I thought maybe you know, I'd prefer it to maybe be like a little darker, but now that they're getting into the touring cycle and I see that they're incorporating like a lot of white, a lot of, you know, open, empty stage yeah. look, yeah. you know, um, I think one, I think the, uh, the Oakland show that did recently, the whole stage was just like, it was probably a carpet or something. Just it was all white carpet, mm-hmm. real clean looking, mm-hmm. and it looked awesome. Okay. Um, all right, I'm texting you right now. Wait, hang on, that's a wrong Clint. This happens a lot. You know more. Th- you know more than one Clint. Clint? <laughs> Impossible. I know one other Clint, and every and his name pops up first because when I first met him, I didn't put his last name in, and it's still like that in my phone. Yeah. And every I've texted him about the podcast <laughs> and like, oh, we should blah blah blah, and he'll respond like, could see he's like, sounds great, man. <laughs> Um, all right, I'm going to text you this right all now. All right. It's on its way. It's just going to bum me out. So, uh, maybe a little bit. I mean, it's, I don't know. It, it, it's, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. I mean, surely, I, I they had to have known, Oh, whoa. Okay. Isn't that so crazy? So, for those of you at home, this is a band called Crowbar? Just, just Google search if you're listening, Crowbar Metallica, and the first image that shows up is what I sent Clint. It's a side-by-side I mean, view. Hardwired is better, but... I definitely. When did this Crowbar record come out? Uh, I, I, th- I want to say early '90s. Uh, let's find out. I will say this. Um, I will say this. Oh, did you know when it came out? No, I was just going to look it up. I'm, I, I, I wasn't like a fan of Crowbar or anything. I, just, I, I saw this when the new Metallic record came out, and I was like, oh shit. I like the title "Hardwired to Self Destruct." I don't like the "Hardwired dot 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 to Self Destruct." I don't dig it. Do you think? Do you think that was like uh, it, like an homage to dot dot dot? It absolutely for all? is. This whole record is an homage, yeah. uh, right. and we're going to that with like lyrically. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of um, a lot of that. I like the new kind of I forget what they call this logo, but it's like the sort of ripped logo where there's like chunks of it taken out. The new Metallica logo. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, you know, back back in the '90s when they changed their logo completely, everyone was pissed yeah. off and stuff, but. 
This one, it's it's still the classic Metallica logo, just a little messed up, and I'm cool with it. Yeah. Like like they need our approval. <laughs> it's okay with us, guys. Yeah. By the way, that Crowbar record came out in 98. All right, well. It is a bit of a bummer, but... Okay, uh, well. But whatever, you know what? Sorry, Crowbar, it's Metallica. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you guys. <laughs> you know what? They could have just called it Hardwired to Self-Destruct and made it the cover of Master of Puppets and everyone would have right, bought it. All right. You know, they can kind of do what they want. So. Are you ready to get into a track by track? Sure. Let's I'm do ready it. to do it. So track one, <clears throat> Hardwired. The debut track, uh, not only the first track off the record, but uh, I was sitting on my couch watching something with my wife on TV and I looked down, I was scrolling through Instagram and I follow Metallica on there and all of a sudden it was like a 30 second clip of the hardwired video I stood up off the couch I looked at my wife and I'm like Metallica just released a new fucking single I'll be right back and I went in my studio and probably listened to it six times mm. in a row just right, right I mean not like I listened to it much more after that but I was so excited because even on my phone speaker it sounded so yeah. good I was like oh my god I can't wait to go put this on my studio monitors right it's an unassuming song because I, I, just like you, it was the first thing I heard, and I thought, "Oh shit, we're gonna get a thrash record." I mean, I thought it was gonna be. Mm-hmm. It's really that, and maybe Moth and Spit Out the Bone are really the only thrash songs on the record. But totally, a really great tradition of kick your ass right out of the gate. Yeah, and I, I think a smart move to release that first. Right, I agree, because you're definitely capturing the all the old school Metallica fans that yeah. oh, one another master of puppets right. or whatever. That's what I, they sound like apparently. <laughs> Hey, I'm an old Metallica fan. This is what we all sound like. Yeah, every time we uh, talk about Metallica and we're old fans, we talk like this. I think I can speak for all Metallica fans when I say that <laughs> we all talk like this, man. Yeah, we definitely don't. <laughs> um, Go to hell. That's like my that's like my def- my default voice when I speak for somebody. Oh, I thought, else. I thought your Austrian voice was. Uh... Oh, I think you're right. It might be this voice right here. <laughs> I think Hardwired to Self-Destruct was so beautifully written, and uh, I think they should not lead it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Don't delete this. Is what that. happens when you start drinking whiskey at yeah, noon. Yeah, I'm drinking this uh, Voodoo Ranger IPA that I stole from um, our uh, monitor engineer. Nice. I texted him and told him I stole it, which I guess isn't really stealing, is it? If you tell them you're stealing it? That's like, it's politely stealing. He always has. I stole this, by the way. He always has really nice beer, and um, I was drinking on the bus with him last night, and he yeah. he very generously gave me one of his very nice beers, and I like we took a weird turn, and it crashed on the ground like immediately. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, uh, Sorry. cool. I'm just gonna go ahead and take yeah, two exactly. of those. In the Can morning. I have another one of those? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I think I think Hardwire kicks ass. It's it is weird to hear James drop the f bomb again because it's been a long. He's gotten real like kind of dad like about f-bombs he definitely has and if and if you followed him on instagram before he stopped posting which is a bummer I wish yeah what was his instagram was it like pop ahead or something pop pop ahead yeah yeah. and he a lot of stuff he posted was very dad which is cool cool. totally cool i got you but when you think about like james hetfield like fucking metallica and then he's like you know a photo at like legoland or wherever he was or even (laughs) like when they did the orion festival (laughs) maybe not legoland but they did the Orion Festival, and he's, he posted a picture with one of my favorite bands, Rocket from the Crypt. Ah. And he's making like this goofy right. face that you know his daughter is like, Dad, that's embarrassing. Right. But I guess every kid is embarrassed by their dad, even if you're James Hetfield. It is a good um, sort of titular, like, theme-setting song. Like, and I think it was the last song they wrote for the record. 
Really? That's yeah, cool. the, they did a really. Do you know who Corey Taylor is? The guy from Slipknot. You know who Corey Taylor. Yes, is. for sure. Yeah, they did a really cool interview with Corey. The whole band did about Hardwired and. Um, yeah, that was a great interview. So they kind of said that they it was the last one they wrote for it. They wanted the record to start kind of that way and. Yeah, it is. It, it, I think the opening is a good classic Metallica. Yeah, opening. I agree. In, in the vein you of know, Blackened um, and. Uh, totally. Yeah. The only thing that you know would be missing if they wanted to stick to the formula is some kind of fade in. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, like they, they even did it on you know Death Magnetic right, totally but I mean it's a good record and I think this is I would say you know unfortunately this is Kirk's high point on the on the record yeah it's one of them in, in my yeah. opinion yeah I agree I agree I like the solo I think it's a I think it's a very Kirk-esque solo it's very Kirky yeah um, there's a but, lot of Kirkish uh, features but it's it's kind of an old school thrashy Straight solo and it's, I as, it. it's as brutal yeah. as anything they've ever done in my opinion yeah Totally. Um, all right. Now here's a here's a question real quick before we move move on to Atlas all Rise. Right. Lars's double kick. Love it. Super fast, super cool. It's like Dyer's Eve stuff. I know. I, I love it. I'm just I'm, as far as like performance. Yeah. Do you think that 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 was overdubbed or maybe uh, engineer went through I, and um, I I can't imagine that they did not do some sort of comping for that because it it sounds yeah. really clean and really gridded out. Doesn't it sound like it's on a grid? Yeah, it totally does. I'm fine with it, by the way. No one listening get pissed off and be like, Lars played it. There's that voice again, sorry. Don't get pissed off and say, Lars played it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I'm sure he played played it, ladies and gentlemen. Lars played that. It's my son, I know this. Are you doing Torben? Are you just your Torben voice? I guess so, yeah. I should do a full episode as Lars's dad. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this week we have Lars's dad on. <laughs> Greetings. Greetings. I'm here in Denmark. Stroking stroking my beard. My beard. I'm very I wise. have a Zid tennis match later to go to. <laughs> I'll bet he's a cool dude. He seems super cool. He seems yeah. like a good dad. I mean Whatever. Dad, we'll get into my dad shit. Hey, we should do an episode on him. On Torben? It might be a short episode, but it might be kind of fun. That could be the episode I could talk in his voice. Though. All right. So, anyways, <laughs> Atlas Rat. The double kick. Yeah. The, the double kick thing. All I'll say is that triggered or not, edited or not, quantized, whatever you want to say. I think it's fucking well. Awesome. And I'll say this. I yeah. mean, they've they've debuted it live, so I think it sounds fine yeah. live. He's doing it live. I know that's a whole different yeah. deal than than uh, on a recording, but they're also uh, playing. I think most of these songs tuned down live. Too. Oh, really? Probably to, probably to save Heffield's voice. I yeah, didn't know that. A, uh, yeah, it's usually, I have stuff. The record most of the most of the records in like E standard on this on the new record, okay. but I think it's either half or a whole step for those musicians listening. Um, Interesting live. But you know, again, Hetfield's in his fifties. He's they're playing two hour sets. So he can't be screaming his ass off like he did in, in 1989. And for those of you keeping up with the tour, which I have been, they're in uh, Asia now. They did a, uh, a show in Korea and they did Beijing. Uh, yeah. They've debuted Hardwired, Atlas, Now That We're Dead, which sounds so cool live, Moth, yeah. Halo on Fire, and Confusion. So I'm, st- I'm still yeah. got my fingers crossed for Dream No More. We were talking about Man Unkind before the episode. I mean, I'm looking forward to hearing this whole fucking record live. I know, totally. So Atlas Rise. Uh, this I love this song. It's 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 like we said before. We haven't uh, had time to really digest this record compared to old Metallica mm-hmm. records. 
because it's only been a couple months. But Atlas Rise is definitely in the running for one of my one of my two or three favorite oh, songs. Oh, really? On this I didn't record. know that. Yeah, I love this. I love Hetfield's vocal performance on these verses. It's so good. Uh, it's old Hetfield. It's like I, it's classic Hetfield. He, he, you know. Uh, I read somewhere that James started uh, the whole song isn't about this, but he started writing it about Lars. Which really? my friend of misery was also sort of written about Lars, someone who like has the world <laughs> on their back, and which yeah. I, I feel like is befitting. I mean, definitely. Lars is definitely the dude who kept Metallica alive during the strange James disappearing to get healthy days. You know, during the Napster days, he's he was the face. I mean, I, I, no, I mean it's it's it goes without saying. I think he, you know, Lars is still the heart of Absolutely. the band. I totally agree. And even when you watch these videos of them making this record, and I think this is always the case, James is off, obviously the riff master, but it's really Lars right. who takes all of James's riffs and arranges them into these songs that we love. Yeah, as much as, as it's kind of annoying to watch him in videos, like pointing at the screen going, um, put that mm-hmm. over there and blah, blah, blah. You're like, oh, geez. Um, but it works. Obviously, you know, in my opinion, they've only put out one bad record. Right. If you don't count... EPs, um, <laughs> but uh, it works. I mean, all their records minus Saint Anger to me, uh, that formula works. Hetfield's riffs, Lars's um, arrangements. It's just interesting that that part of the lyrical inspiration was Lars. You know, when James went in. Yeah, totally. Which, by the way, I like that on Saint Anger they tried to get everyone involved in the lyric writing. But let's just go ahead and agree. <laughs> and I again. I'm speaking for all Metallica fans. <laughs> we can all agree. Let's just let James write the fucking lyrics. Yeah, I think that's a smart idea. Your lifestyle determines your death Kirk. style. No, thank you. Yeah. Sorry, Kirk. Sorry, Kirk. Just don't do that anymore. Yeah, you can do a solo record one day and write it about surfing and monsters. And, I'll, and I will happily these. not that's buy fine. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Kirk's listening right now just crying. Dude, you know what guitar he's been playing a lot on this tour that I've really missed is he's playing the Ouija board guitar, but but he's he's playing the white one. Because he has that black one that I've always loved, but he's been playing the white one, which I think has been pretty cool. I kind of miss him playing the old Jackson V. Yeah, I do too. Like late Justice, early uh, uh, Black Album era. Yeah. I love when he played that. And James played a, a Jackson during Puppets a lot too, a white one. Yeah, we're gonna do a whole episode on um, the gear. I can't wait for that. By the way, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be a geek. I episode. went down for all you not non musicians. You may want to tune out for that. I went one, down but. a real serious James Hetfield guitar black hole the other day. I watched his rig rundown with his guitar tech recently, yeah. but I've also heard, as in within the last two days, from uh, a guy that's out on the road with me, one of the other crew guys who <clears throat> has toured with Metallica, that he is on uh, Fractal. Yeah, I knew that. I, th- the whole yeah, band there, is, there's no amps anymore. Or maybe yeah. they're cabs which or something, is, but which say what you want. Fine. I, I I'm fine Whatever. with it. If I think their tones are much better now than they were on the last. Yeah, album cycle. I agree. So I agree. However, you want to get those, go for it. Uh, now that we're dead, one of my favorites. Yeah, this is this song's awesome. Um, right, I mean, right off the bat, you're getting out of the thrash. Yeah, I love zone. the groove. I, well, I love the sound of that, like. Input jack going in, and then it's just like, totally. It's like a cool groove. 
I, I didn't want to like the the drum yeah, part the, where he goes the talking. It's a it's a little It's kind of silly. Safe kind of silly. But it's a little silly, but at the same time, I mean, I'd rather Lars do that than try something that's out of his ability. Right. It is cool that it's kind of like a part. I mean, I I just sang it. So, <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's That's something. true. We're talking about it. It's a thing. So, it worked. Congratulations, Lars. It's, it's one of my favorite vocal moments on the record when James goes into the Ah Sinners an ending. Yeah. Like that's just like his voice sounds so good during that. I know. It's 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 hard to t- for me to talk about anything but Hetfield's voice in this record because I think it's it is the biggest strength on this record. Yeah, I do too. I mean, obviously the riffs and the song writing mm-hmm. itself, but his vocal performance is I mean, who knows how many takes he did on each song. He killed it on this record. What do, what do you think he's talking about in this song? Now that we're dead, we can live forever. What's he say? I feel like I feel like a lot of the songs on this um, record are pretty religious. Yeah, which is which is possible. I mean, I've heard I've heard rumors that that he found Jesus and stuff like that through sobriety. Yeah, but I, I've heard yeah, that. I mean, too. it could it it could be you know um, something about maybe his old life. Yeah, you know, the old life is dead. That part of me is dead. Mm. Like his, his his substance abuse life. But he's saying like, now that we're dead, we can live forever. Like what? Well, there's the spirituality part of it. Like the you yeah, know, it's a, it's a little. He's talking about eternal life. It's a little jarring for me. Not not really being as much into that, but right. Even yeah, I mean, it it could be a song about you know eternal life, and 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 you know the literal literal meaning of dead. Like you die and then you have you can live forever in heaven. Uh, maybe that's it. I don't know. I mean. I would love to see like a lyric rundown video of all yeah, these songs. Yeah, I would too. It'd be really, really interesting to to hear why he wrote this kind of stuff. The lyrics are actually really good on the whole record, even the ones that are yeah, a little confusing. Are. Like I feel, I feel like now that we're dead, um, Halo and Fire, Man and Kind, Here Comes Revenge, all have a lot of religious undertones to me. Right. Which I'm just curious about. I like he you know he's never really talked about his lyrics much. Which is a which is no, a not bummer. really. I mean, I guess if, you know, I mean, at least the interviews I've listened to or even like the podcast recently, like, you know, the Mark Maron one and stuff like that, like nobody ever asks him like, hey, so uh, now that we're dead, like, why'd you write that song? Hey, the only one I've heard him specifically talk hey, about, which we're about to get into is Lost in the Flame. My text calling me. I have to take this. I'm sorry. We can edit this out. <laughs> okay. Hey, man, what's up? All right. So, are we... so yeah, we're going. Okay. So Moth, Moth in the Flame, he has, Hetfield has specifically talked about like, <laughs> what that song's about. He he actually cites Amy Winehouse and her life and death is a bit of an inspiration for the song. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Like about, it's a, you know, a lot about like, you know, stardom and how people deal with it. And if they go down these paths, like Amy Winehouse did of drug abuse and substance abuse of all kinds. And ultimately, you know, you know, they're like a moth to flame. They just eventually going to kill him, you know? Mm, wow. So yeah, he's, he's talked about that uh, on, in a couple interviews I've listened to. There's a really great podcast called Song Exploder. You ever heard of this? Mm-hmm. Where they where they take a song and they sort of just dissect it and how they wrote it. They did yeah, that with Moth cool. and the Flame. It's Lars and James. Oh, right. And, and the interesting thing to say about that is that Rick Rubin got them interested in the idea of referencing themselves, which they okay. had always were trying to get away from what they had done. But Rick Rubin sure. was kind of like, you guys did some amazing shit in the 80s. That's why Death Magnetic is kind of so thrashy. Yeah. But so for Moth and the Flame, they tried to, they sort of dissected disposable heroes and were like, Really? What, what works about disposable heroes? So that the template of disposable heroes is what they did for Moth. 
even with hey. that Kirk thing, that pre-chorus Kirk thing, it's just like the totally. I, I I think that little lead part, you know, going into the chorus is really cool. I do too. It's it's one of my it's one of the nicer Kirk moments on the record. Now, did he if he wrote that? I don't know. And he you you mentioned earlier he has no songwriting credit on the record. Yeah, zero. So it might be that that James wrote that part. You know, I would also consider Moth and the Flame one of the three. Th- uh, thrash songs on the record. Yeah, the part where it goes into light it up. Um, that definitely is. Well, the whole song is just very fast, thrashy. Yeah, totally. I, I, and I love that it has a really catchy chorus, too. I do, too. Soldier a lot Soul, of these built songs. a higher wall. It's so good. Uh, I agree. Seduced by fame. I'm oh, so good. It's so good. Yeah, uh, the, 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 yeah the, this is, a, a, I think, a high point in uh, Hetfield's you know, riff writing. There's yeah. some really good stuff on it, especially if you listen to the fast, thrashy part before the chorus. There's some really cool stuff in there that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, I was trying to figure out that song one day on guitar, and I was like, man, that's that's tough to play and sing at the same time. Right. But Heffield's obviously good at that, so if you can well, play just, Blackened and sing at the same time, you're you're pretty, you're, you're like a talented uh, I musician. totally agree. And Disposable Heroes, too. Disposable Heroes just always blows my mind. Yeah, for sure. Dream No More... It was in my top 10, if you guys heard that episode. To me, this was an instant classic. Yeah, th- th- yeah I, I agree with you. I, I would love to hear uh, why you love this song so much. Uh, I, love the, I love the 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 subject matter, the Cthulhu thing. And it's mm-hmm. it, to me, in the verses, this might turn some other fans off. It has a very load. There's like the high. He's, it's like two main vocals, but one's like a harmony and a high. It's almost like memory remains. Yeah. I think is it just octaves? He circles black moon rising. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's octaves. So it's like memory remains. Yeah, totally. I think it's cool. I, I love that he did that. I do too, and I love the outro, the um, uh, the wake. You know, the thing that he does with Robert. Robert does those BGVs with him. Yeah, totally. It's sort of a sludgy. It kind of feels like a Sabbath true homage. Yeah, it definitely does. And a lot of people are actually saying on the forum that they want. Metallica to drop Sabbath True from the set and add Dream No More, which I don't think they have to drop Sabbath True to add that, but I would love to see Dream No More in the set. Yeah, that would be cool. I'm sure at some point they're going to incorporate all these songs into the set. Well, if they do what they did on the, um, what they call the Death Magnetic Tour? Uh, I, uh, I think it's World, Live, World, Ma- Live, Live Magnetic. Magnetic? World yeah. Magnetic. World Magnetic. They did a couple of different things. They played, um, they played every song from the record on that tour. They, they debuted everything. So Yeah. I think they'll, they eventually will. It seems like they're ramping that up a little bit in the last yeah, week or two. I think so. Any more to say about that? Uh, no, I think you covered it. I mean, uh, it's, 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 it's a good kind of mid-tempo classic Metallica song that could be on the Black Album, could be on Load or Reload. For sure. Um, but the next track is, like I One said One of your before, favorites, right? Yes. Halo on Fire, I think, is so good. The only, and this is so nitpicky and not that important, the only thing I'll say about this song that I don't like, and it has to do with Lars's drumming, is dynamically going into the chorus, he starts to play harder way mm-hmm. too early, in my opinion. Uh, like, he doesn't kind of ramp up with the dynamic of everybody else. He starts playing harder, just like a couple measures earlier, and it's a little annoying to me. But all that to say, this is in the running for one of my favorite songs in this record. I think James's vocals on this record are so fucking good. Especially that chorus go like when he ramps up to that high note is yeah. so exciting. And it, like I said before, it gave me chills. I was driving in the car listening to it and I was like, God, that sounds amazing. I know. 
When I finally, so Halo of Fire is number track six. I guess this is also weird. So it's a t- two disc record. So this is essentially the end of disc one. Mm-hmm. So it's after this we have to do Confusion is track one, not track seven. I don't. Right. I wish it was like just a normal full length record. Totally. But um, by the time I got to track six, Halo of Fire, every song before it is so fucking awesome that I was just like, oh my god, this record is yeah. so fucking killer. <laughs> totally. I mean, to get, to get that far in and not be disappointed yet, and I, I, there's nothing on the record that really disappoints me. But what I remember, makes, get, I remember getting to that chorus of Halo and Fire and being like, "God damn!" I know, totally. This whole record's got great choruses, great vocals. It does, and what kind of surprises me, uh, but it kind of goes with what you're talking about. How you wish it was all, just one track listing, one full length record, not two discs. Yeah. Um, it kind of makes sense that uh, Halo on Fire is the last track of the first disc or first record or whatever right because if you think about it it has a little bit of that ballad uh formula hmm. the end of the song goes in to a more of a jammy part uh kirk you know there's that the uh hello darkness say good night yep totally yeah. and it keeps that is ramping a, that is up a cool ramping part. up um, so it sounds like an ending track almost. Yeah, that's true. So, so that kind of, to me, that makes sense. That it would be the last track on the first disc. Um, and it, like I said, it has a bit of that Metallica ballad formula. Yeah, that's true. It has a kind of like an epic mid-tempo ending. Totally. Uh, confusion, we ready to move on? Yeah, totally. So either track seven or track one of disc two, however you want to... I mean, I don't buy CDs anymore. So the two yeah, CD format for me is irrelevant. Yeah. Although I know a lot of people still do, but don't tell me to go to hell again. <laughs> Come on, fucker, bag. fuckers. <laughs> I love confusion. I, 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 I think you're a fag and you should kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm just going to interject Lars's dad from time to just time. Torben insults. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I like, I like anytime James writes about war is a home run, I think. I think you're right, yeah. I don't, um, know, I don't know why or how he's tapped into that shit so well but well one disposable heroes yes um i i i mean maybe he's a war movie buff who knows yeah maybe so um or you know maybe i mean who knows maybe all these all these years he's been anti-war i don't know i think most of his songs deal with negative effects of war i mean yeah. one for sure disposable heroes for sure yeah um, maybe maybe he's you know met met a lot of people that have been in you know in the army and the navy, whatever, over the years of, you know, what thirty plus thirty five plus years, and maybe he's been affected by their stories. Who knows? Again, I've, James, if you're listening, please explain these songs to us so we can uh, talk yeah. about them more in depth. You're welcome to come on anytime, of course. Pop a hat. Yeah, I've I'm, se- in, I've I'm seen in Detroit of- right now, James. If you want to, if you're in Detroit, and this is where they did the Orion Festival one year, so please ah. come down. I'm at the Aloft Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Those are good of, hotels. Room eight hundred three. They are nice. We're at the uh, outlets we're the everywhere. D- diplomat. Ooh, sounds fancy. Oh, fancy for there's for sure a club on the first for, floor for, for fancy people like me. <laughs> uh, I've seen people say on forums and on Reddit that that James really captured the idea of PTSD really well in the song. Oh, that's cool. Where it talks about only he can only see his ricochets in his head and my life, the war that never ends. Yeah. Totally. I'm just a Deadwood soldier now. Like some pretty cool imagery in the song. Well, and this is another uh, good example of why you should let Heffield write the lyrics. No shit. I agree. You know, you listening, Kirk? He can't hear you. He's in an he's in the opium in an opium den somewhere in the <laughs> oh, Bay <geez>. Area. 
that I'm just he's... kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not. We're not trying to be assholes. We love Kirk. Okay. We hope For... if you're Kirk, if you're listening, we know you are. I mean, we hope you deal with your shit and get your head back into Metallica and your own life and all that. I, yeah, we I'll wish say, you well. I'll say this: they're they're in Asia now touring, and the videos I've seen, Kirk has been kicking ass. He's been. He looks great. I mean, he looks old. Actually, he doesn't Good. look great anymore. But he looks uh, level, and he's playing really well. Can you hear that, by the way? I can hear that. Detroit. That's just straight up the soundtrack of Detroit. I know. I love this city. I know it's like... I do, too. ...falling apart over the years, but there's a really cool, uh, you know, grassroots thing happening here with people that are born and raised here, building up communities. It's a really encouraging thing. Yeah, I agree. Side note. It's not very metal of me to say, but... (laughs) Come on, dude. All right, how about this? Man Unkind, which Ethan texted me before we started this saying how much he loves his song. It's, I, I, we have to talk I, about the Robert intro, though. Yeah, I think this is, the, kind of the, this is kind of the first little highlight of Robert on the record. That he wrote for, as a tribute to Cliff, he has said. Yeah, totally. Man, I, it, I think it's sweet, and I think it's actually kind of cool. It doesn't really seem to fit. It feels underdeveloped, and it feels kind of tacked on. Do it does. Agree? I, li- I like the sentiment behind it. I like that he wrote it for Cliff as a tribute to Cliff. And I like uh, the piece. I like the piece of music. But yeah, because once the once the band, whole band kicks in, it's like a whole different song. Yeah, that kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's fine for me though. I mean, it doesn't bug me that much. It's not that long. You know, it's a fairly short intro. Yeah. Um. So it's not something that I'm like, oh god, I gotta skip ahead. You know. No, no. I I, I love. Oh, dude, I gotta take this call again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that intro doesn't bother me, and I think the song is fucking awesome. I think Petfield's vocals as Every other track has happened on this record. Sound fucking great. Yeah, and I like the kind uh, of like the gar, gar, gar. That kind of like pulsing. Totally. Hit. It's like they don't have a lot of stuff like that, you know. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, th- I mean, yeah, I mean, I think we're we're. I realize that every time I listen to it, this is this is becoming, if it's not already, a classic Metallica record, and this song, you know, proves that. I think. Yeah, I agree. As does the next track. Here comes revenge. Love it. One of my favorites. Really? Yeah. It um it it rose to the top of the like songs like Am I Savage, Murder One, and even Man and Kind had to grow on me. I still like yeah. them, but Here Comes Revenge I, I, I loved. Yeah, this this part of the record, I think after Confusion, at first, uh, up until Spit Out the Bone, the like four or five songs after Confusion kind of had to grow on me a little bit. I didn't dislike them at all. Right. I'm the same way. But uh, the more I listened to him, the more I was like, damn, that's a really good song. It's kind of like, you know, back on the Black Album, like when I first heard, you know. Um, like of Wolf and Man or something. Or? Of Wolf and, yeah, totally. A song like that, uh, or Struggle Within, I was like, uh, I don't know about that song. But then as time went on, I was like, fuck, that's a good song. Right. And Here Comes Revenge is another good example of that. I don't, I'm not, I'm not crazy about the title. Like, yeah. it's not the most badass thing to say to somebody that's messed with you. It's like, well... Here comes revenge. They they have done that a little bit in recent years of of naming things a little like man unkind. I don't you love need to that ca- either. Capitalize. Yeah. Yeah, man unkind in, in itself is is kind of weird, but do you have to capitalize un? Yeah, it's kind of hokey. It's a little weird. Just call the song unkind or whatever or man unkind, whatever. Or, or make... man. <laughs> Just call it man. Call it M. I think you should call it the song man. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, but yeah, here comes revenge. Yeah, maybe a better title would have been just revenge. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. I agree. Revenge would have been cool. Yeah. Or comes. 
Sorry. <laughs> that was good. Um, I wish I could talk more about the solos in these songs, but I honestly, I've listened to this record probably 50 times. It's bumming me out that we can't talk more about it because they're boring. Will you answer that, please? Um, I, I think I think the solos honestly are are they're just they're just boring. Like we said before, I think Kurt just I don't even think he freaking punched the punched punched in for the day. I think he just showed up and kind of played around the blues scale and hit the wah pedal and yeah, the, all those takes are good enough. We'll comp it together. Yeah, See I mean they all sound kind of meandery and kind of phoned in. Yeah, kind of totally too much wah pedal and yeah. There's no, and, and we, it's a shame because the record's so good and so strong and cool. We're just missing that Kirk voice. Yeah. Uh, Mustaine actually, uh, I think a fan, he, I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, but he responds to fan questions like every single day. Oh, cool. And one of them was asking his thoughts on the new Metallica record. And he said he loved it, but he thought that uh, Robert and Kirk were a little bit in the shadows. Mm-hmm. And I think we know why Kirk was. I mean, he definitely wasn't really fully checked into the record, but, um, I mean, I kind of agree with him. Yeah. He, Kirk didn't really have any moment to shine, but he probably also didn't give himself anything to shine with. There are moments to shine. He just did not shine during them. Yeah. Cause there's a sure. lot of guitar. So, I mean, there's a lot of guitar moments. Yeah, and, and for a guy, they got so bummed out when they got, when they wanted to do no guitar. solo totally. in the same anger. You, you think, you know, cause there's a lot of great guitar work on death magnetic. But this one, you know, it's a little, you know, and to me, it's, it's to dis- me, it's disappointing. Just, yeah, and to me, it's just evidence that that things aren't great, you know, in the Hammett mm-hmm. in the Hammett in the Hammett house. Well, I hope he, uh, I hope that house gets rebuilt. I do too. Maybe Jack, <laughs> maybe Jack, can, maybe Jack, Jack could help him out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, Am I Savage? What do you think? Uh, I think Am I Savage? It's another one that had to grow on me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it's it's in the, to me it's kind of it could be on the black album. I know I make that reference a lot. Like to me, that kind of is 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 one of those records. It's obviously the, you know one of the biggest. It is the biggest Metallica record. But um, I like listening to newer Metallica songs and and kind of placing them in other albums. It's I guess as like a, a long time Metallica fan, it's fun for me to to go. Oh, I think. Halo on Fire could have been, you know, the track after wherever I may roam or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think when a band's um, been around for thirty-five years, it's hard not to retrospectively fit in their new material into what was great about their former records. Right, that's agreed. just going to yeah. happen at a band that's old. Yeah, totally. Like I can hear some people saying, "Man, just let Hardwired be Hardwired." Well, <laughs> sorry, no. Impossible. It's yeah. kind of hard to do when Metallica themselves keep referencing the past. First of all, Am I Savage? Mm-hmm. This song is basically of Wolf and Man Part Two. Yeah, totally. The song is about someone turning into a werewolf. Yeah. So it's impossible not to mention of Wolf and Man. Exactly. Yeah. If they're if they're referencing things from their past, I mean, as a fan, you can't help but you know compare. And let's be honest, like after Saint Anger, everyone was like, I just want the old Metallica, I want Thrash Metallica, I want this Metallica. Everyone goes to the past no matter what. Sure. You know, I don't think, you know, I think it's, I don't know, I think it's a little naive to, to just be like, just let it be, you know? I agree. I think it can be both. Like, I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. It can be its own yeah. thing, and but it can also have homages to the past. Totally. Yeah. I like MI7. Do you think the title is a homage to MI Evil? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, Hetfield definitely hasn't strayed from that kind of stuff, even lyrically. Yeah, um, like he's you know made made references to old songs. Um, <clears throat> you know he said that he's he's written in the lyrics 
has written the uh, words fade to black, you know, mm-hmm. post red light. Yeah. Memory remains. So I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put it past him to be like, you know, maybe originally it was called savage. Right. And he's like, ah, oh, let's just, you know, am I evil was such a cool song cover song we did. Let's do, you know, let's add, am I to it? I don't know. There are also some very cool, like heavy sludgy riffs in this song. Some, yeah, some totally. of the heaviest kind of sludgy moments are in am I savage? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's it. It's a good one. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. I don't, okay. I don't know why I just jumped into out of 10 ratings, but I'm going to give this <laughs> one a ratings. 7 out of 10. <laughs> well, speaking of high ratings, Murder 1. Is that up there for you? It uh, Again, uh, 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 it's one of the, the four or five that had to grow on me, but um, I think once I learned that it was about Lemmy after they released all the videos for all the, all the songs, yeah. Um, you know, you can't help but have a little bit of a heart for the song because they, you know, Absolutely. Hetfield wrote it about his friend. And they were very close. Obviously, Motorhead yeah. was a huge influence on the band getting started. Totally. They all He's became played, friends. Yeah, Lemmy's showed up and played live with them right. and they've covered, you know, Motorhead songs with him. It is fun to hear a song of that, too. I don't think they've done that before where, like, they wrote a song that's kind of a tribute to a person. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I mean, I, I guess... I guess um, uh, to live is to die was kind of a tribute to Cliff. Oh sure, be- because he wrote the. But wrote there weren't. Those, but there weren't lyrics part. about him. Totally, it's um, interesting to hear them like sing about Lemmy. I know it's awesome. It's pretty cool. And if you if you haven't seen all the videos uh, that they released for this record, that one is really cool. Yeah, it's like animated kind of video. Cartoon, it's yeah. so bitching. Um, uh, but yeah, and and I love that the title is you know named after Lemmy's main amp. Yeah, he played live Murder One. That's so cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think, you know, even as you know, you and I write songs, it's sometimes tough to write about somebody that you're really close to, especially if they've passed away. For sure. I don't know if you've experienced that as a songwriter. No, but, I definitely you know, have. And it's and it's tough because you have to, I think, and I, I can only imagine that Hetfield did too, you have to kind of put yourself back into a place where you knew that person and you, uh, you know, put yourself back in situations and maybe it's sad, maybe it's happy. And somehow, you know, transfer that onto a piece of paper and write lyrics about it and make it flow right and make it yeah. make sense. Well, so. and and it's hard to sum up <clears throat> someone, especially someone sort of as magnanimous as Lemmy. And then yeah, especially sure. knowing that you're Metallica and that millions of people are going to hear your next record. There's just yeah. a lot of pressure to really nail it. Totally. And I think he did a good job. Yeah, I say props to James. He did a great, a great job in paying tribute to his longtime yeah, friend. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> let's conclude here with Spit Out the Bone. Fucking amazing. Damn it. To me, this, to me, the, this and Hardwired, which it's, I love that those songs bookend the record. Yeah, they're the bread for sure. But they are as brutal and fast and thrashy as anything they've ever done. As Fight mm-hmm. Fire with Fire, Blackened, yep. Hit the Lights, it's up there. The, this, the, this to me is like the Dire's Eve of this record. Yes, um, and so much so that uh, I was on YouTube one night looking up uh, people covering all these songs just for fun. And I found a dude that uh, I, I need to look up what his uh, YouTube name was so I can give him a, a little shout out. But he got to be an engineer of some kind because he has, uh, whether he has, uh, I guess, or program drums, but um, he's kind of dialed in all the justice tones. Mm. And he did a, there's no vocals, but did an instrumental version of Spit Out the Bone with justice tones mm. and, and the dude nails it. He wow. nails all, all those sounds from that record. Cool. 
and I think it's called like if uh, if spit out the bone was on injustice for all. So look that up. Um, okay, it's kind of interesting to listen to, but um, yeah, I mean, this sounds uh, kind of nerdy, but like um, when Hetfield does any uh, sings any word with with shun at the end, like oppression, mm-hmm. he had there's that Hetfield thing. Oh yeah, and on this song, there's so many shun words. I love it so much. I, it's just that cl- classic like. I'd say like Justice Hetfield yeah. vocal on this one. The Jamesisms. Yeah. And I like too, I mean, it's probably content wise, one of my favorite moments on the record, sort of giving ourselves over to technology, <coughs> technology taking over. It's a very metal, like current metal theme. Totally. Uh, I agree. But I think he kind of nailed it, you know, like man overthrown, spit out the bone. I love the yeah. imagery. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I agree. And I mean, Great fucking track to end the record with, too. Yeah, I agree. If you didn't get the extended edition, by the way. Because Lords of Summer is next, if we want to go that far. But I think yeah, we can did, do that later. You're talking about the disc three? Yeah, there's like the there's like the deluxe edition or whatever with, with the third disc. with like Lords of Summer, Lords, like a rainbow medley, a deep yeah, purple yeah. cover. Yeah, Blind Man Cries. There's actually a couple like really mellow ballads in there, too. But we, yeah. we can maybe do another episode on just that yeah. extra bonus disc. Because I think it's... Because it's cool. Cause it's, yeah, because it's got that great live cover. stuff, too. Yeah. Including like Metal Militia, which is a treat. Well, it's everything from when they, they played at Rasputin in, in uh, uh, Berkeley, um, in the Bay Area, on Re- Record Store Day when they were the Ambassadors. Oh, really? Ambassadors yeah. of Record Store Day? Yeah, they were last year. I love that they're champions of that shit. Oh, they love because it, Because you, yeah. you and you I should... know we're both big Record, State, Record Store yeah. Day fans. and Yeah, totally. We both buy yeah, a lot of should... vinyl. And... You should get on YouTube and look up the, these performances from Rasputin and... Um, I've I've been to that record store numerous times because my wife is from the Bay Area and I've spent a lot of time up in Oakland and San Francisco over the years. Um, but I've been to that record store they played at, and you should watch watch the whatever the first track they they do uh, live because Hetfield talks about like people buying records and it's we love vinyl and all this stuff. It's really cool. Cool. But uh, either way, but uh, back to spit out the bone. Um, I'd be surprised if there's a Metallica fan out there that hates this song. Yeah, it seems to be unanimously loved. Yeah, if you don't like this song, we would love to hear from you because <laughs> I think you're a crazy person. I think if you don't like the song, you're not a fucking Metallica fan. Yeah, seriously. That's insane to me. Oh, Lars's dad just walked in. What do you think? <laughs> I think um, <laughs> if you don't like Spit Out the Bone, you should delete your brain. <laughs> and delete everything in your life. Delete your brain. <laughs> It's the first thing I could think of to delete. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. In conclusion, I think his heart this... was deleted. <laughs> <laughs> I think you deleted your love for my son's band so long ago. All right. <laughs> Maybe you should play tennis instead. Maybe you should get on the court because you deleted your heart. Take your anger out on the court. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, shit. Amazing. All right. In conclusion, I think, uh, yeah, Spit Out the Bone's a great way to end this record. And, you know, overall, <clears throat> like we kind of talked about at the top of the episode, it's a great fucking Metallica record. It's a classic. I think it's an instant classic if you're a Metallica fan. If you don't like this record, I want to know why. Clint wants to know why. Why don't you like this record? Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's, there's, of course, with every record, there's little things you can nitpick about. But overall, I, I mean, if I had to, I would give it, I'd give it a nine out of ten. Yeah, I was gonna say eight and a half. So, but I'll I'll go ahead and bump it up to nine with you. Okay, or B plus A minus. Yeah, you know? I I think it's a really exciting time to be a fan. 
Yeah. Now I think had had Kirk been in the right frame of mind and ten, ten put, it, put in the work, yeah. I think it could have really been something special. But it says or a lot more special than it is. I agree, and it says a lot about the record that even though Kirk, because of he's dealing with life, and we know what life's like. Life's mm-hmm. messy and tough, and we wish him love and all that shit. But totally. even with Kirk not being able to be as present as he otherwise would have been, it says a lot about the record that it's still as fucking awesome as it is. Oh yeah, I mean, <clears throat> and I think you know you only have. James and Lars to thank for that. And hopefully just like all the positive reviews and the, uh, like hopefully all the love for it will incentivize them to make a record before eight years from now. Totally. I mean, <clears throat> those dudes, tra- when they travel on the road, I mean, they have like a insanely sophisticated, what we call tuning room or mm-hmm. rehearsal room before the right. show. I mean, they can record all that stuff. Right. So dudes get out there, get excited and start writing new riffs. Yeah, I agree. You know, or Hetfield sit in your hotel room with your four track and, kick out riffs and let's get another record in less than eight years record that i think you should record it (laughs) oh man all right as always follow us on social media on instagram it is metal up your podcast on twitter it is metal up your pc you can email us with any questions concerns anger hatred whatever you want and that email address is metal up your podcast show at gmail.com and uh that's about it. This has been the Hardwired to Self-Destruct episode. Yeah, it's cool. Thanks for listening. Yeah, and thanks for bearing with us uh, trying to figure out how to do this remotely. The monster lives. The monster lives inside of you. <laughs> and uh, my lifestyle is going to determine my death style in Detroit. The flush, it, flush it out. The flush it out. <laughs> anyway, signing off from Miami, Florida and Detroit, Michigan. And from, uh, oh wait, you just said our both, both of our locations. I did. Well, I can do it again. Let's do it again. Signing off from Detroit. And signing off from Miami, Florida. Everyone, Clint's going to go to the club now. (laughs) See you later. See ya. If you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that.